There's one thing as we've been uh, for the past few weeks talking about the purpose of the church, okay? And there's something that my mom modeled that is a key part of our being the church. That is the called out. We found out when we started studying this that the word in the original Bible in which it was written in Koine Greek, the word for church is ekklesia, and that word literally means called out. We're his called out people, called out of darkness into his kingdom of uh, the kingdom of his light. And, and so we are his called out. We're his gathering. We're his assembly, his children. And so when you're saved, you're part of the called out of all time. Uh, but everyone in the New Testament that answered that call as God began to call us and draw us to himself and receive the gift of salvation by faith, they connected themselves to a local body of believers, right? So we've studied that. We talked about being part of that and what our purpose is. We talked about the attitude. We turned to Romans chapter 12. So go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 12 today. Uh, but we talked about how that the attitude that we're to have is one of humility, right? And then we saw that we're called out to serve. We're part of a body. In fact, in Romans chapter 12 and in Romans, uh, Romans or 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about how that we're like a body. Christ is the head and we're all members of the body. We're all part of him, right? Are you following me? We're all part of him, but we're also members or parts of each other. In fact, I think it was last week we read where he says, as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Though We, though we're many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So like it or not, we're part of each other. It's great being part of him, but we're also part of each other. And this is where God's divine power comes in. Because then we start talking about the different gifts and callings that God puts on our life. And the gifts, the ministering gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we've mentioned several of them last week, okay? We do it in his strength. And we minister to one another and build one another up to his glory. Now, it's easy to love Jesus. But some of you guys aren't so easy to love, right? Easy to love the Lord. That's just like what Jesus taught in the upper room, that last supper that they had, when he shared the, the cup and the bread to fellowship with him and his sufferings, communion. And, and, and it's great to worship him and think about that. But he did something else that night that's tougher. And that's where he washed the disciples' feet. And he's teaching that lesson of how I want you to serve each other. And he said, you ought to wash each other's feet. Sometimes you're going to need to serve, and then sometimes you need to just quit being proud and let someone wash your feet or serve you, right? But So we talked about serving last week and about all of us have different things that God wants to do through us, just like every part of your body has a different function. You weren't just saved to get you out of earth and into heaven. God has a function that he wants to perform in and through your life to be part of his body. Okay, now we're not to be tearing each other down. We're to be building each other up. And this is just naturally where we come to after last week is just we're just going to keep reading. We stopped uh, in about verse eight last week. We're going to pick back up in verse nine. But I want you to file that. I'm going to read it because I think the public reading of the word is still a very important and valuable thing because that's when you know God is speaking. And I hopefully don't mess it up, right? We want to hear the word. So I want you to get out your Bibles. I hope bring, bring your Bible. Don't be afraid to mark in it. Uh, you know, we don't worship the Bible. We worship the God of the Bible. Amen. 
This is his word. So use this thing. Get it. Get, make you some notes. Now, if you're using an app, uh, you can use the Uversion app. We've got notes linked to it. And if you happen to be doing that, don't let pop-up stuff distract you, right? You know, maybe a Facebook pop-up or a Twitter or something. You didn't need to know what uh, cousin, you know, Ralph is eating for breakfast this morning. You don't need to see a picture of that. That is not important right now. Um, but the, you can link through version to study notes. We got sermon notes online. You can find them on our Facebook page, a link to them. Or if you're in version, go to menu events and find us there. And um, some of these verses I'm going to read, I want you to look at them. And even if you're reading them in the notes there that we have online, if you're using version, you can click on those and it takes you to the app itself in case you want to highlight some of those verses or make notes or things like that. On the online notes, you can add to them. The whole purpose is to take them with us and meditate and grow. It's not just hear a sermon, check that box, go home. This is all about equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. That's what, this, that's what the Bible description is. Okay, I want to read this in uh, Romans chapter. So here's what my mom modeled is one of the things that we're called out to do to serve, called out to have that right attitude of humility, to be part of a body, but we're called out to love, to love. And my mom modeled that, so I felt like this still fit really well. And we're going to look at Jesus' words in Luke chapter 6, so be ready to go there here in just a minute. Now, listen to what he says. Let love be genuine. The original language says, let it really be without hypocrisy. And the word for hypocrite, the root word of it is one that was used of a play actor in those Greek plays where they would put a mask on and they may act several different parts. Take off the mask. Hey, we've all been glad to take off the mask, right? After all this COVID stuff, right? But you know, whenever all that argument and stuff about wear a mask, don't wear a mask, I said in a symbolic sense, a lot of us have been wearing masks for years. But take off the fakeness, okay? Let love be real. Let it be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful or lazy in zeal or diligence. Be Fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be consistent in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless, do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, he pulls up some Old Testament here, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, and he quotes some more scripture, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be, listen to this, do not be overcome by evil. But how do you overcome evil? He says, but overcome evil with good. 
Wow, there's a lot there. He starts off this chapter talking about how we present or yield ourselves, our physical body as a living sacrifice for God. Then he talks about not being conformed to the pattern of this world, but letting the Spirit of God, letting God's presence, His power transform us by the renewing of our mind. And so that's what I need. I need God and His power, His Word, to renew my mind, to change the way, to rewire the way I think. I'm not going to be different until I think differently. And he wants to change my patterns and habits of thinking. And you know what? We've got even scientific evidence of how the brain can change as you begin to focus on different things. And there were certain neurotransmitters and certain things that were really strong links and connections to certain things that were harmful. And as those quit being used and you strengthen the good things, your brain, your physical brain actually does change. So he's rewiring our mind. He changed the brain. Okay, that's a different sermon, right? But this is what I'm saying. None of this stuff is possible without that. He changes my heart. He makes me a new person. And he begins to rewire my mind. Well, okay, maybe some of us need more rewiring than others, but he's still working on me. Can I just say that? Okay, thank you. I needed an amen on that. I'm glad, glad to hear it, that God's still working on me. So this love is the thing that fuels all of this, okay? He uses, you've got to humble yourself, but it is love that empowers us to do all these things. Now, all this stuff that Paul said, well, we could really dissect that and unpack all of that. Here's what I feel led to do. Next week, we've got the Calverman going to be here ministering to us, and we're going to have some special stuff going on next week. You don't want to miss that. Uh, so the week after that, which happens to be Memorial Day weekend already, can you believe it? I want to come back to this Lord willing, unless he changes my mind and unpack some of this. But as I read this, I think, you know what? Paul is bringing out some heavy truths, but it really, he's, he's teaching what Jesus taught because that's what the apostles did is that everything that was taught before the New Testament was completed, it had to be traced back to those that Jesus personally sent out and to Jesus himself, because there were all kinds of people popping up trying to say they had a message from God. It had to be traced that way. And you know that Paul was, was familiar with, even though he wasn't following Jesus when he was on earth, that those words that Jesus spoke. So that's why I want to just go and let's just take today what Jesus said about this, about called out, being part of his called out family being part of the family of God and being empowered to do something that is so powerful. This will have the biggest witness in our world. And this is what this dark, crazy, mixed up world needs. And, and, and it's going to take supernatural power to do this. And that is real, genuine love. Okay. So in Luke chapter six, you can turn there. If you're using the study notes, they're there for you to link to, um, in Luke chapter 6, listen to what Jesus says. Now, this is radical, all right? You want to be rebellious? You want to be different? Follow Jesus, because I guarantee you it's totally radical compared to what our culture is like these days. In these last days we live in, it is amazing things are moving at warp speed, right? How do you know what warp speed means? Yeah, you watch Star Trek. Okay, good, good. Some people don't understand that nowadays. Warp speed. I'm not sure how, just how fast that is, but I do know it's fast. You can gossip now at the speed of light. I mean, used to there was a lot of bad, bad stuff being said, but I just never heard it. Now it's everywhere. It's piped right into your pocket, so to speak, on your phone. It's a messed up world we're in. 
This right here is one of the most radical things that this world would ever see is for somebody to live like Jesus said. Listen, he said, but I say to you who hear, okay? Not everybody's wanting to hear this. You got your ears on? Remember that? The old CB days. You got your ears on out there? Okay, Jesus saying, you, are you tuned in, right? You on the right frequency here? Because if not, you're not going to hear anything but static. Okay, you tuned in. To those who hear, if you have ears to hear, um, love your, what? It says, love your enemies. I'm going to need Jesus for all this, okay? Can I just stop and say that? Amen. Amen. Okay, I'm going to keep reading, but I just wanted to say that. It says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you and from one who takes away your goods. Do not demand them back. As you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High for, amen to this part, He, God, is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. That's me. So often so ungrateful and say it, evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Wow. This blows my mind. This is more than just moral codes to live by. It involves deep principles, not just mechanical responses like turning the other cheek and giving up your coat. These are characteristics that only God, that Christ through his presence in us can cause to grow in us. This isn't natural. None of it is. And this change begins to happen on the inside and becomes like a well springing out on the outside. So this, this message is not about ethics. It's about salvation. This is what Jesus does. Now, first of all, I want to talk about the source of this. Look at the source of it. The source is God himself. When he says, love your enemies, we know that the word there in the original language the Bible's written in is agape. Now, many of you have heard of that word, agape. Here's the thing. As you look back in Greek literature of the day and, and you, in a lot of Roman writings, you don't find that word hardly at all because it's not a word that they even wanted to use. It is a word for love that means to totally sacrifice. And you know what? Their society was like our society. It's all about look out for yourself. And you want to promote yourself by tearing other people down or whatever. Okay? So uh, agape, meaning that, that we, it's about sacrifice, about giving up yourself. That comes from John 3, 16, where it says, for God, what? He so loved. There's your word right there. Agape. The world. That's everybody. Put your name in there. That he gave his only begotten, his one-of-a-kind son. That whoever believes in him would not have to perish, but can have everlasting life. 
God loved us that much that he did that. It flows from him. So if I'm going to have this, it's got to come from God. And we don't have to wonder if God loves us like this because he proved it. Amen. In real time on planet Earth, when he sent his son to die a real physical death for all of our sins on a real cross. He didn't just talk about loving us. He said real love just doesn't say it. It does it. It shows it. He gave himself. He gave himself up. He sacrificed himself. Why would a perfect holy God, one of the characteristics of God is God is self-sufficient. He doesn't need anything. He didn't need me. I need him. Why did he go to that much trouble? And why did he do what he did to save you and me when he didn't really even need us? He just chose to love us. So if I'm going to have this, it's got to come from God. And so the love that we have each other, there are quite a few, there's four words really, and there's five that could be used, but there's four words in the New Testament that are all translated by our English word, love. But this one here is supernatural. You might have an affection for others. You might have a deep care for others. And of course, in our culture, we call more of a uh, erotic, lustful thing. We call that love. We think we're in love, but we only think we feel that for someone because we what we think they can do for us. That's the opposite of agape. You see that? Am I, got your ears on? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Either I'm not being very clear or it's like, we're just kind of, we're there, we're, we're listening. Sometimes I like a little interaction, okay? Okay, good. So what I'm saying is, if I'm going to be able to love other people like this, I have to receive this love from God. He's the source. And so the only way I'm doing this is Calvary love, as I call it many times. The love that God showed to us by sending his son to die on the cross, that love, I have to receive it into my life and let God love me like he loves me, receive his love and let it fill me up and spill over onto others. That's the only way I can do it. I promise you, I can't conjure it up inside me. I can't produce this. You can never achieve this. It's supernatural, okay? Not natural, normal. And God is the source. Listen to what John said. John was one of the disciples that actually saw Jesus die on the cross, okay? In 1 John, the letter that he wrote later on, chapter 4, verse 16, here's what he says. He says, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. I saw it, y'all. He says, God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. It's not just God is, has love. God is love. So if you're really going to love, you got to have God. You can have affection and you can care for others, but you can't really love others without the love of God. It's just not going to be possible. Um, now, the uh, Pharisees and a lot of the religious rulers that were in that day, you know, they had the whole Old Testament and all of that. But you know what? They didn't do this. They misconstrued it. It became more about them. Um, they, 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 they morphed a lot of the scripture truth with tradition and uh, made up teachings to try to add to, to try to help people, but it didn't help anything. Now, watch out for this, because some of this might sound familiar. What they did might sound like what we do. Are you with me? Okay. Okay, good, good. Because they thought, they thought 
It was spiritual to hate those who stood for things they opposed. They thought it was spiritual to hate people who are opposed to what you are for. Sound like our world today? Yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, hey, listen to me. Jesus called them out on this. And here's God in the flesh, the one who gave the scriptures, although they're not wanting to recognize him as God the Son, Messiah, or anything. Here's what Jesus said. He called him out. And it's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 44. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said. So this has been said, right? You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. See, he called them out on it. They actually thought it was spiritual. See, they got confused with parts of the Old Testament where God actually did use Israel as instruments of judgment to those nations who had rejected God, who God had tried to speak to, and they turned from God's truth to idolatry. And after warnings, God did use Israel to judge in real time nations who had done that and peoples who had done that. Yeah, it's kind of ugly. It's kind of nasty. But listen to this. God also used some of those nations who were idolaters to judge his people. When Israel, when his own people that he had separated out, right? We're talking about it earlier. His, his set, set apart people that he was going to use them to be a light to the rest of the world. And they didn't do that so well. That's also what we're supposed to be doing as a light to the rest of the world. They didn't do that so well. There were times that they turned on God and God would send his prophets and his preachers to try to get their attention. And when they didn't listen, God used some of those other countries to judge them, right? It's all right there in the Bible. The Babylonians, the Assyrians, it happens there. So they got confused with all of that. They also might get confused with some of the Psalms, you know. And some of the Psalms, the psalmist might call upon God to judge my enemies, right? You read some of those, and boy, I mean, it's very poetic. It really gets the human emotion, and you have to understand the style of writing, that it is the poetry of it, and it really does bring out how we feel sometimes. But the psalmist didn't he called, judge, he called on God to judge the enemies. But the psalmist didn't do the judging. He was calling upon God to vindicate his holy name. Right? And so we can't use those passages as a call to arms without taking the word of God out of context. So when Jesus blasted this, you can't imagine how mad those religious leaders and, and Pharisees and scribes and people got. They got mad. Um, by the way, the Old Testament scriptures never taught that it was okay to hate your enemies like he said you've been hurt, you've heard. And they probably heard it at synagogue, at church. So he never said that. In fact, in Leviticus 19, 18, here's what it says. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall what? Love your neighbor as yourself. And he reminds them, I am the Lord. I think it needs to be said that way, not just, I am the Lord, right? So you know how they got around this? Oh, we always have our ways, do we not? They just were pretty exclusive in who they defined as their neighbor. Who's your neighbor? I ain't talking about Mr. Rogers here. Won't you be my neighbor? So they would try to redefine who the neighbor was. So if they're not my neighbor, I don't have to love them. So Jesus told this story one time. Do you remember about who's my neighbor? 
Huh? Oh, yeah, I'm not going to preach on it right now. But in Luke chapter 10, you can mark this down and look it up later. And this is homework. Take home and you know this story. Just read over it. He told this parable about this guy that was going down from that road from Jerusalem to Jericho. It was dangerous, had twists and turns, a big hill there, hills and things like that. And thieves, he fell among thieves, and they robbed him, and they left him almost dead. And then there was this, I guess one of you guys, right? There was a priest come by. And just whew, ignored the guy. And then there was a Levite, you know, one of the holy men came by, went by on the other side. And then finally there was one person who came and helped him. And he was somebody that they all couldn't stand, a Samaritan, who was uh, impure in every way, spiritually, physically, every way. They considered them impure. And Jesus made the Samaritan the hero of his story. That's awesome. He, the underdog. And the Samaritan took him in and, and bound up his wounds and treated his wounds and took him and paid to put him up and take care of him and said, if he needs anything else, let me know when I come back. And so Jesus said, so who was the, na- who was the neighbor there? And they said, the one that showed kindness. So basically Jesus is telling us that anybody with whom we come in contact is our neighbor. There's no barriers there. It all comes open because it Anybody we come in contact is our neighbor. Anybody that crosses your path. So he blew them out of the water there. And guess what? Instead of being like, oh, whoa, we've been wrong all of our lives and all of our generations and fall on the ground and repent. Lord, forgive us. No, they didn't do that, did they? There might have been a few individuals, but as a whole, they don't. And so a lot of times when we hear God's truth, instead of just falling down and repenting, God, your word is true, and I, I turn from me to you, right? I repent. A lot of times what we do is we just get mad. And that's what they did. And they wanted to get rid of Jesus. Now think this. These are the Pharisees, the religious leaders who studied the, the Old Testament scrolls. They were expecting the Messiah, but they had their own idea what the Messiah ought to be like. Guess what? God's idea was different than their idea. And when he showed up, the God they professed to worship in the flesh, they didn't want him. I wonder sometimes if Jesus were to come and appear in the flesh and walk in here and try to be a part of this and spoke the truth to us, how we might sometimes feel about it. Church could become a lot more about us than it is about the God we profess to worship. Wow. So he blasts all this apart. In this, he says, I want something radical. And this takes the power of God. He says, so first of all, I just want to fly through this. And we'll maybe come back in a few weeks. But action. And I, I tell you, this is something that I constantly, I, I don't feel like I ever just totally get this. This has to be retreat, retweet, tweet. There's the word, tweet. I'm not sure what tweak means, actually, but I think you know what I'm getting at. I have to re-spin this. It's kind of like my battery. If I don't keep it on, the, it don't hold the charge here. I have to keep recharging, right, by staying in the Word and staying in fellowship with brothers and sisters and, and, and staying in fellowship with God and walking in the Spirit, not in the flesh. There's the big one. And I pretty much choose every day. Am I going to bend my will toward me or toward being led by Him? Okay, so action. So it calls for action. What you do, what you speak, and then actively resisting. Look at this. He says, do good to those who, hey, love your enemies. Do good to those. So don't just say, oh, I love you. Hear somebody say, I love you, but they don't sound very loving. 
So it means you do something. You don't just say something. You do something. Do good. Do good things to those who try to do bad things to you. That takes supernatural strength. Amen. I'm going to amen myself if y'all don't help me. Hey, Jesus not only said this, he modeled it. There was one time in my life I was one of those enemies. And so speak. Look what he says. He says to uh, bless those who curse you. To bless means you speak well. You want good things to happen to them who wants bad things to happen to you. You, 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 you don't just say it. You mean it. It's got an attitude here. When you bless, you wish well. And you pray for those. So you you pray, seek their good from God, and you bless them. Not just say good things, but actually wish good things to those who curse you. This is where I need God. I'm telling you, God giving us abilities to do this and to forgive and to let go is a greater miracle than some lame person in here getting up and walking out. Don't say God still don't work incredible miracles. These are greater miracles. I like the other ones too, but you know what I'm saying? And then he says, to uh, resist. Um, so resist vengeance and payback. Okay. Now, we're in the Ozarks. Some of you are transplants, but you get what I'm saying. I grew up even in the, I grew up on the other end of the Ozarks, south. And let me just say it, you may not appreciate this term, but I got a whole lot of redneck in me. And I think that that term came about because always going around all hollering and everything, your neck turns red. I, I, I don't know, but just, but it's not natural. It's not natural. Something will happen that's like, boy, years ago we had ways of dealing with folks like that. <clears throat> and I catch myself saying that a lot of times. Mike does that. Yeah, yeah. So Jesus' words need to impact, okay? My natural tendency, okay. Now, there were times mom and dad both would be here on Mother's Day, and I would get an amen from them, but for some weird reason, that tendency to talk back didn't just come natural to me. It came automatically to me. I still struggle with it at times, maybe, my dad would tell you most of the whippings I got or disciplinary problems came from my mouth. See, I, I was born with a gift of gab, and this is where the Holy Spirit said, I'm going to try to take that and use it for, for, for me, and, but otherwise you're going to tear yourself apart with it. Uh, so I, uh, I'll never forget one of the funny things mom said one time. Many years ago, I was home preaching revival and staying. See, and that's the thing about the house there is, is the house that they built uh, and moved into within a year before I was born. So the room that my baby bed was in is, 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 was the room that I grew up in. And guess what? That's the room I still sleep in. When it's my room, guys. You know, my kids and, and grandkids go there. You want to take my room? I, have, I got dibs, right? I got dibs. Um, but anyway... Uh, my, I was home and I was staying there and um, I, I preached at a nearby church and mom and dad had gone and we were back there at the house and, and the news was on. And after the news, this was when, this is far enough back that the, the very first reruns of the TV show, Everybody Loves Raymond, was coming on. 
And you remember that show? You know, that show is just hilarious. And my mom just loved that show. She just loved Raymond. And she said, I just think this is so funny. It's so hilarious that he reminds me of you. And I said, what? He remind? How does he remind you of me? He said, he'll say something really stupid and make his wife mad. And then he just keeps talking and making it worse. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, sometimes you think, well, I'm already in trouble. I might as well get there good. You know, hey, if I'm going to be in trouble, I might as well do it right. <laughs> but anyway, what I'm saying is that some of these tendencies that Jesus wants to give us, he has to rewire our mind and our heart and everything to help us to be there. But when he says about uh, someone striking you on the cheek, turning the other, about somebody taking away your cloak, give you your tunic and all of this, um, and these are examples of doing good to those who hate you, who are trying to mistreat you. And striking on the cheek and all of that doesn't, listen to me, it doesn't mean you're spineless, that you're defenseless, that you let yourself be run over and be a doormat. Don't make it say that. This kind of struck, strike is done public. It's a public insult, you know, like type thing. I think of that. I don't know. Um, and, and so basically it represents times when people are trying to intimidate and humiliate us. And verse 30 doesn't mean we allow ourselves to be conned. Someone needs your cloak. See, in those days, many times the Romans were in charge and they could discipline people at their discretion. And they could take your coat or they could say, carry my stuff. And legally they could say a mile. And then he says, be willing to go the extra mile. You're going to tell them something different about you than everybody else. We always do just what we absolutely have to do. And so he said, you know, and so many times they could take your cloak if they wanted to. Or if someone take it and, and, and just say, here, here's a, in the tunic was, was, do I have a tunic? I don't know exactly what that is. Uh, but anyway, I think in those days, this was the inner, more inner garment thing that they wore. In other words, just don't do what you have to do. Go beyond that. But this doesn't mean that you allow yourself to be conned and those who are in need to give to those who are in need. There's a difference between needs and greeds, right? And the, and, and cause those who are conned aren't people in need. They are thieves, or, or sometimes we enable people who need to learn to take care of themselves and we give them things. And, 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 and so there are some people that always are in need and they're never not going to be in need. And God wants to help them deal with that and grow through that so that then they can not only not always be in need, they could actually do something amazing and that's help someone else once in a while. Right? Okay. Yeah, move on. Um, so, but when you help, when you do give, you give. Don't expect anything in return. You don't give for just what you're going to get out of it. You give wanting nothing in return, not even appreciation. Ooh. I love to be appreciated, by the way. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, that, that, that Dr. Chapman's love, five love languages, my number one love language is what? Words of affirmation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do, I do, yeah. But you can just uh, grow to the point that I don't, I'm not doing this, even if, they're, even if I don't even think they're thankful, I will do it anyway. This, this is the kind of giving Jesus is talking about here. A lot of his disciples are going to experience a lot of this stuff because they're followers of Christ. Because of that alone, they're going to be humiliated. Some of them are going to be publicly beaten. Some of them are having their property confiscated. They're going to lose jobs. Some of them may be disinherited from their families. They're going to know. It reminds me then um, what Jesus is saying here 
uh, Paul alludes to, and we'll come back to it later on another day. Romans 12, 19, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. The Lord is saying, I know what you're going through. I see what's happening. And you don't have to just, I want it all. I want to do it myself, right? And this, kind, this has happened many times. And, 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 and that's a problem we have in a small community. And then it's worse now than ever before. Gossip goes at the speed of light. And um, I'll, you know, I'll never forget one time we sold a vehicle. I had to get up and publicly announce in our little church that used to be down uh, by the funeral home that announced that we had sold the car. It wasn't us at the liquor store. It wasn't us doing this and that. I did. I had to make, some of you were there. I had to make a public announcement of who owned the car, not us. So quit going out there and saying we've been these places. Oh. Jesus' action that, that the, the action that he prescribes goes further than anything else to show this, that we are different. There's something different. I don't think the world's ever experienced true agape love. And it's the greatest testimony of witness is his love being acted out through us. So there are hurtful people. What do hurting people do? They hurt people. And the world is filled with empty Hurting people who are enslaved to the flesh and the passions of the flesh. Like a little kid that can't control themselves. They get mad. They lash out. But when they see something different, this may be a bigger miracle than seeing the Red Sea parted or leprosy healed. They see this stuff that Jesus is talking about in verse 31. He says, what the golden rule as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Now, someone has said, yeah, but that golden rule was oh, ancient. Others had said that. But if you study it, all of the others pretty much is don't do what you don't want done to you. Jesus flips it to the positive. What you want done, do. Now, you might say, well, I would never do that. I would never do that. Yeah, but what is it that you actually do? Do unto others. Now, as we wrap it up. Understand that. Live by it. And it's going to take his power. When we apply this, be different. This is the big thing. It's going to take the power of God. But as if we're going to operate as a family and a body, we're going to have lots of opportunity to utilize this because we're going to fail each other. We're going to hurt each other. Some of us are going to have weak days and fail and do and say things just for the purpose of hurting someone. That's not Christ-like, but it, it will happen. And then we're going to have an opportunity to forgive others. And I'm going to tell you this. There's going to be some times I'm going to need you to forgive me because I'm going to do some wrong stuff and some dumb stuff. But I need to be just as willing to forgive you. Works both ways. That's why Jesus said, and we realize that he is merciful too. The ungrateful and the wicked are evil. He is. So here's the deal. When I'm like this, when I love like Jesus said, I'm being a lot like Jesus. My problem is, is way too often I'm a whole lot like me. Uh, Zach Williams has this song. Uh, not Ethan's dad, Zach Williams, but the other Zach, the one that can really sing, right? Um, has this song. More like Jesus, or less like me, I think is the name of the song. 
be a lot like Jesus, more like Jesus and less like me. And that, that's the goal here, and to be different. And then he recaps by going back through, you know, about if you love those who love you, you're no better than the sinners. If you only take care of needs of those who take care of you, then you're no better than anybody else. But it's when you, this is when it's different. He goes back through that. And then he says, your reward will be great. I want it all settled right here, right now. No, I have to trust him. That's faith, right? And he says, your father knows your reward will be great and you'll be sons of the most high. That's all of us will be sons of the most high because son there is about a position of an heir. Well, all that, you, you, you have that position because he's kind. Be like your father, filled with mercy and grace. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, um, this is such a powerful thing that...